Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're going to Good morning. Good morning. It's Tuesday, the 15th of November. Big news today. Big, big news today. The world's population today reached and then will very quickly surpass 8 billion. Yeah, we'll visit uh, that here in just a moment. Uh, Today's growing your faith verse of the day, Matthew 28. And these seem related, actually, right? Um, The commission of Christ to his people to go and make disciples of all nations. So never in all of human history has that um, mandate landed on a generation with greater opportunity because there are now 8 billion people in the world and God wants every single one of them to know the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Matthew 28, 19 and 20, today's growing your faith verse of the day. Go therefore, and this is Jesus speaking, This is Jesus speaking on the resurrection side of the cross. All authority in heaven and on earth given to him, he then turns and gives that authority to his followers and says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I mean, today that lands on us as believers, go and make disciples of all 8 billion of them. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. That's discipleship, by the way. It's not just evangelism. It's not just sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not just offering the free gift of God's grace um, in in the person of Christ. It's also teaching people. It's discipling them. It's life-on-life discipleship. It's about living in front of others as a demonstration of the king and the kingdom, his character and his ways, um, that people might learn the pattern of the life of Christ from those of us who've been walking with him day in and day out for a long time. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you, Jesus says. And remember this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So you don't do this by yourself. This great commission of God is a co-mission. It is a mission in cooperation with, alongside Jesus, empowered by Christ. It is our mission, should we choose to accept it as his followers today. We are on a mission together, people a great co-mission with Christ and with one another. And this is kind of cool. We are the great commission. Like when you think about, you know, a group of people being commissioned to do something, they then in fact become the commission. Like, right, it's a group of people. We are that group of people. We are the great commission, the group of people officially charged with a particular task, commissioned by Christ, who alone had the authority to give such an order and send us out as his co-missionaries. So, uh, should you choose to accept it, today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day is your calling into a body of believers who are the great commission of Christ, who are on the great commission of Christ, who are co-missioning with Christ in the world by the power of his Spirit today. Oh, oh, and another way of thinking about that which is commissioned 
You know, think about a piece of art being commissioned. Hmm. We are great. We are God's great commission. This people who are redeemed and restored to the master's original design, priceless works of art. So you are a great commission and you are part of a great commission and you are charged with the great commission and you are on the great mission as a co-missionary with Christ and all of his followers. How cool is that? Yeah. That's today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day. Dr. Mark Caleb Smith is going to join us next. We're going to talk about the proclivity of those possessed of political power to develop or operate out of a God complex. We're also going to talk about Vice President Mike Pence and um, what's he, what he is now saying um, about this particular phrase, so help me God, so help me God. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Mark Caleb Smith is joining us today. This is Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. But a generation ago, it might have been the Mike Pence show. You might have been joining Mike Pence on the radio back in the day on his uh, syndicated talk radio show. And you would have been talking about similar things. The intersection of faith and public policy. Good morning, Mark. Morning, Carmen. How are you doing today? Don't you wish he was here today talking with us? Because that would be really cool. It would be interesting. There's no question about that. Lots to talk about. So we're going to use um, Mike Pence's recent interview, um, as well as his uh, his new book, So Help Me God, as uh, as if he is our conversation partner today. So um, what what are some of the things that you already know about the content of the book and the things that the former vice president is is publicly saying about um, his experience, particularly in the last days of the Trump administration? Well, Vice President Pence has been walking this really interesting tightrope, I think, uh, in his relationship with Donald Trump since the end of the Trump administration. And I think the publication of this book, as well as interviews that he's now doing, um, probably mark the formal break with President Trump for the most part. Uh, January 6th was obviously a traumatic event for the country to a great degree. Uh, but it was extremely traumatic for Mike Pence. Uh, we know that he was evacuated by Secret Service, that he was sheltered in place. Uh, we know there were uh, efforts, even if they were feckless, perhaps, uh, to kill the vice president. <clears throat> there were chants to hang the vice president. And, of course, there was pressure from Donald Trump uh, on Mike Pence to potentially overturn or decertify the Electoral College results. And Pence is now speaking about that publicly in a way that he has not. Um, and his tone is grave, and his blame is placed pretty squarely at the feet of the president. And I think this marks a, a turning point uh, for Mike Pence politically, and certainly in his relationship to Trump, but perhaps in his uh, statement of his goals for the next couple of years. There um you know, when you choose a book title and when you um, right. when you talk about um, all of the things that the vice president might have said, <clears throat> right? Um, when when he says in this, I mean, I'm going to describe it as a memoir, right? So help me God. Um, I think he's um, 
I think he is a person who operates out of a deep, 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 very real well of faith. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and I, that certainly fits with his background and it fits with his performance and his behavior. Uh, we are familiar with his moral standards and some people look at those as stringent, especially as it relates to his relationship to women. But yeah, the use, the title there of So Help Me God is not accidental. Uh, not only does it invoke God and his relationship to God, but it also, of course, finishes off the oath of office when we think of a, someone taking an oath of office at the very end of it. So Help Me God uh, is a very common exclamation mark almost for the whole thing. And so this is Pence, I think, branding himself again. Um, and I think it's, I think it's smart politically. I'm not sure it's going to work, but I think the timing of it, especially given the midterm elections that we just saw and the underperformance of candidates closely associated with president Trump, uh, the timing of it's probably about as good as it could possibly be for Mr. Pence. So this will come as a surprise to no one listening that, um, you know, that I like him. I mean, I, I like the way he carries himself in public um, I don't, I don't, as a woman, I don't mind that there would always be a third person in the room. Um, that's, you know, I, I don't, I don't really, I just confess to you, I don't really get that, uh, resistance that people have. I mean, you know, the Mike Pence rule, the Billy Graham rule, right. I don't care whose rule you call it. Um, I feel like it's a protection for me as much, I mean, as much as for the other person. I don't, um... You know, and I don't view that as some sort of um, I don't think that it's a hard and fast requirement. I mean, for me, I mean, I've obviously in my professional life um, been in all kinds of environments where, you know, there's there is occasion to be in um, a car, a room, a radio studio, whatever. Right. With only one individual, other individual and that other individual being a man and that not being sexualized. But we live in this like horribly sexualized culture. And so I do understand from a political perspective why it's it's not a terrible, um, you know, it's not a terrible practice. And, you know, frankly, for those guys for whom literally every word is recorded anyway for posterity, like who's doing that if there's not a third person? I mean, we wouldn't have the words of Jesus if there wasn't a person around to record them. Yeah, it's interesting. We want to uh, criticize politicians when they have moral failings, but then we also want to criticize them for taking very clear principles to make sure they don't have those moral failings. And so we really can't have it both ways, I think. And so Pence finds himself in a little bit of an awkward situation. But politically, it's going to be interesting to me to see if he can navigate this. This is a very delicate process. Can he win some of the support of Trump people and still uh, hang on to some of the support of people opposed to Trump? Can he sort of walk that middle path uh, and be a compromise kind of candidate? I think that's how he's seeing himself. I just don't know. I really don't know if that if that so-called lane exists. Uh, but he has a tremendous resume. I think he does extremely well as a politician, handles himself well, as you said. And so he's going to make a go of it. Clearly, this is uh, part of the presidential campaign, I think, for him in 2024. Yeah, so uh, I have uh, I have he and his wife Karen and their family uh, on my prayer list as they navigate um, all of this. They are 
a brother and a sister in Christ of ours. And so I'm going to be lifting them up in this in this process and in this season. Um, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Mark about the God complex in American politics. Um, why is it that, why does it seem that people who get into politics, particularly at the highest levels, um, you know, why is it that they either, either people want them to be viewed as gods or they begin to view themselves as gods? The God Complex, up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Long ago and far away, I dreamed a dream. We're continuing our conversation with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University. Um, Mark, um, there are... Uh, lots of characters in American political history who, who, about whom we could talk in terms of this topic of the God complex. Um, I thought maybe you could just walk us around in, um, in this subject matter area. We hear the accusation fairly frequently. Um, some certainly accused former President Trump of having a God complex. Um, some accused President Obama of having a God complex. Um, others saw each of those men as some sort of messiah. And now, um, you know, there are, there are accusations that Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, has some kind of God complex. Can you talk a little bit about this? I mean, is it a self-fulfilling prophecy? Are there other examples? Um, is, there, is there some strange, like, is something strange happens when, polit- when people rise to, to such a level of political power? I think it's a it's a tremendously interesting topic, uh, and I think it's clearly an issue. No question about it. It's an issue, and I don't think it's a, a partisan issue. It's a bipartisan issue, and I think there are really at least two components to this, and we can talk about either of them however much you wish. But on the one hand, it's how does the candidate view themselves? You know, do they have this sense of themselves as being uh, overinflated, grandiose? And how do we view them? So is this a problem with them or is this a problem with us? Or is this a problem with both, perhaps? So I think that's worth considering. Uh, when it comes to themselves, you have to keep in mind, these are people, especially if you get to be a governor or a president, um, these are people who have some level of charisma. Uh, they have the ability to move a crowd. Uh, they have the ability to put people in the middle of their hand and their palm and manipulate them. Maybe it's emotionally, maybe it's in other ways, but they have the, the ability to persuade people, manipulate them in a way that most of us just simply don't. Um, they have a team of people around them who take their words and turn them into reality, or at least attempt to turn them into reality. Uh, they're probably surrounded by a group of people who tell them yes, almost mm-hmm. exclusively. And I think interestingly... Uh, I think of an interview that I watched a long time ago of John Major. So this is a blast from the past from British politics. John Major, former prime minister in Britain, uh, succeeded Margaret Thatcher. 
And when he left his position as prime minister, he said the most revealing thing when he left was how little truth he really knew as prime minister, because so few people were willing to tell him the truth and the reality of things. Instead, they were just telling him what they thought he wanted to hear. And they told him things that were good for, for them because it would help their ambition, help their plans, cement their career, as opposed to giving him good, honest, factual information that he really needed to know. And so when you kind of add all those things together, you can see how maybe a politician begins to develop an, a very unhealthy sense of themselves uh, and perhaps view their, their themselves in this kind of grandiose term. So I think that's that's at least a good place to start. Well, and a skewed sense of the world. I mean, if that right. um, if that's what's happening, if the people who do actually have the ear of these individuals are not, in fact, telling them the truth, um, as hard as that truth may be to hear, um, right. and whatever the, the consequences or repercussions for speaking the truth might be, um, then we find ourselves in in a ter- I mean, <laughs> in a terrible, terrible place. If you rise to the highest level of power um, in whatever setting you're in, and the people closest to you won't tell you the truth, I mean, you are you are crippled and you become a crippling influence. No question. Yeah, no question. And I think the other side of this coin, of course, is how do we as citizens view our leaders? Uh, do we view them in godlike terms and divine terms? Mm-hmm. You know, do we put upon them some sort of sense of divine mission or holy calling that they're pursuing as political leaders? Um you know, America, we're we're supposed to be a democratic nation, small d democratic nation, where we're all equal, where we have this very um, the sense of each other that no one's better than anyone else. We all have the same ability to vote. Uh, we all have equal opportunity in our country. But even in America, a democratic nation, we have this desire, I think, to elevate and put on a pedestal our leaders in ways that can be extremely unhealthy. Um, we have we put an awful lot of hope into our political leaders. I think misplaced hope often in our political leaders. And I've thought a lot about this and other scholars have thought a lot about this too. And I think one of the the best explanations for it is we're, we're tending to use religious categories now to think about politics because for many people, politics is replacing that hole in their life that religion used to fill. And so it's a source of identity. It's a source of their personality And then when they find a leader that they can attach themselves to, um, they almost have a divine sense of that person uh, like we would a religious figure. And I think we see more and more of it uh, throughout our culture and in the rhetoric that people use in talking about leaders uh, and in the rhetoric that the leaders themselves feed into to develop that connection uh, to the mass. And so I, I think as believers, we'd have to be very hesitant (laughs) <laughs> to ever use language like that about political leaders, especially religious language that we're, we really reserve uh, for God uh, or for Jesus. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm remembering when Rick Perry told Donald Trump, you really are the chosen one or the guy that wrote yeah. the book likening Donald Trump to uh, King Cyrus or others who have likened him to, you know, David um, depending on, you know, and now they're likening him to Saul. So I'm just like, all right, right. you know, there's, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, uh, so just watch for that as you're, uh, as you're listening to what's happening out there in the world, watch for the ways that, um, people become 
Well, they become biblical scholars just long enough to find a character uh, in in the Old or New Testament um, to liken unto a political figure that that they either like or don't like in the days right. in which we now live. And let's let those um, let's let those historical characters stand on their own, um, be used by God as divine instruments in the ways that He used them, and then let's be very very clear how that works in contemporary time and space. Uh, each and every one of us. Um, have a divine appointment. Uh, each and every one of us is an ambassador of the King and the kingdom. Um, we are to be instruments um, of his grace and will in this world, used according to his will um, and, and used up as he sees fit. I think that uh, we ought not think too highly of ourselves, um, any of us. Um, yeah. <clears throat> right? I mean, that's kind of, that's, that's sort of the end of, thus endeth the sermon on <laughs> uh, no on the God complex. Yeah. Yeah. Be, just be very wary, wary when you hear a politician use language like this. A lot of it's just, sometimes it's just cynical manipulation of people who have religious categories they think in. And uh, we've got to really be on guard for that. I completely agree with you. I think it's well said. Yeah. Well, that's us, you and I, operating in, in, uh, in both political and religious categories. Hey, Dr. Mark Caleb Smith, as always, thank you so much. You guys can find him on Twitter. You can also find him at Cedarville University, where he teaches. And if you run into him, he will likely be wearing a bow tie. That's Thanks great. for being here, man. Always a pleasure, Carmen. Take care of yourself. Likewise. Thank you, you too. Let's take a moment for Upwards with Max Lucado. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Faith Radio. One thing going on uh, in D.C. quickly here to bring you up to speed on. Um, This just happened yesterday. Uh, A group of five senators who have been involved in bipartisan negotiations um, brought to Chuck Schumer what is now the modified version of the Respect for Marriage Act. And Majority Leader Schumer announced last night there will be an initial vote this week. So that takes 60 members of the Senate. Um, to bring that legislation to the floor, but Democrats um, already have the first 50 of those on their side of the aisle alone. And, uh, and and if you're saying to yourself, well, you know, good thing Republicans will have the House. Here's the challenge. A similar bill actually passed the House back in July. And so um, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and assume that this is this is very, very likely to have to, to pass. So what's going on? Well, this is a, um, a way to include in federal legislation to concretize in federal law um, same-sex marriage and other varieties of self-chosen um, marriage definitions. And so just be mindful of this. Know that this is going on. I think that it's important as Christians that we you know, know what the Bible actually says about God's design for human relationships and marriage and family and social order. Um, and that we find our feet in this particular conversation of our day. Yes, I know 70% of the American population supports same-sex marriage. I get that. Um, and I also understand that there is a way to speak the truth about this um, without condemnation, either toward the individuals um, involved or the content about which we're speaking. Like, we're going to have to anticipate and prepare ourselves for serious blowback. I get that. Ready to be persecuted for our beliefs on this. Um, but here's the reality, you know, God's design is God's design and, um, and God's, uh, creation mandate is God's creation mandate. And 
God's calling is God's calling. Uh, And so um, let's be prayerfully preparing ourselves for this particular conversation of our day. This, I think, is, um, is the challenge of our generation in terms of how do we speak the truth on this particular matter of the day. Hey, next up joining us is Matthew West. You certainly know him as a wildly popular Christian recording artist. Um, He's also uh, an author. He brings us today the God who stays, right? Life looks different with God by your side. How does your life look different today? Because you know that God is with you, will never leave you and never forsake you. The God who stays next with Matthew West. What a today the only day I got I don't want to waste it if it's my last shot No regrets in the end I want to know I got no one Really excited to have back with us today Matthew West you certainly know him from his music. I'm hoping um, today you will also fall in love with um, not only his writing, but his podcast, the many places where he is collaborating with other brothers and sisters in Christ to really just bring us a lot of creative products. So Matthew, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, it is great to be with you. Thank you for having me. So when you talk to people, do they do they start quoting your music back to you mostly like they want they want to say, do they say things like, let me tell you about my Jesus? Like, do you hear that a lot? <laughs> I get a lot of um, like I have a song called Hello, My Name Is. And, and so a lot of people, you know, kind of jokingly introduce themselves quoting my my song title in that in that regard but uh but yeah i i'm I'm very flattered by it the fact that anyone out there might might know any of the words i've written uh, is a very cool thing (laughs) so one of the things that i appreciate about the god who stays the book that we're talking about today is the way you do lift up the word of god the things that god has said about himself hoping i think that people will be lifting up what God has said and be recognizing that as valuable and impactful in their lives. I mean, you've experienced that as an artist. And so kind of turning back to the creator of the creatives, it seems like you're seeking to honor what God has said about himself and the ways you've experienced that in your own life. Absolutely. You know, I'm a storyteller at heart. And the way I normally tell my story is through the form of three minute songs, you know, but what's funny about that is, um, While I've put my 10,000 hours in doing that, there are certain, you know, restrictions or confines when you're writing a song. For example, it must be around three minutes in length. Uh, It must rhyme. It must have a melody and hopefully a catchy one so it becomes a hit. And so you you learn as a storyteller to share your stories within those confines of a three-minute song. And oftentimes I'll get done writing a song but I'll feel in my heart that there's just a lot more I wanted to unpack. Or maybe even more significantly, maybe there is more that God wants to speak to me about that song, about that topic, about what he's wanting to do in my life. And so when the, when the world shut down in 2020, 
I had a really powerful experience around this song that I had written called The God Who Stays. And I thought I knew what that song was about. You know, a, a, really a simple song returning to the basics of my faith and that foundational reminder about the power and the life-changing promise of God's presence. And then the pandemic hits and we're we're separated from each other for extreme periods of time and and everybody's feeling isolation and loneliness and and yet this song of all my songs wound up being the one that went on the radio and this song goes number one a song about god's closeness during a season when we're all feeling anything but closeness to each other and it just was a powerful moment for me going like lord this is the beauty of it that even when we have to experience life six feet apart from each other or social distancing that we never have to experience a spiritual distancing because that's who God is. And so I began to just pour my heart out and dive through scripture. And during some of my loneliest times, which were many of our loneliest times, I wound up writing this chapter by chapter reminder of all the ways that God stays faithful in the promise of his presence in our lives. And so in short, I wrote the kind of book that I needed. And I have a feeling there's some other people out there who might need that reminder of God's presence as well. So we're talking with Matthew West. We're talking about his book, The God Who Stays. If you have ever wondered, does God like me? Does God really want to hear me talk? Does he like the look of my face or the sound of my laugh. Does God really want to be with me? This book is a testimony to the yes to all of that. God likes you, and he wants to not only hear you, but be with you. That takes us, Matthew, to Emmanuel, right? I mean, that really is at the heart of this, God with us. And yet we wonder, God, where are you? Can you can you talk about those two realities, Emmanuel, God with us, and yet the reality that we do sometimes wonder where he is? Yeah, I think you talked about God liking us. Like, that's one of the big themes in the book that, like, it's it sounds so simple, but it's like a, it's a thing that I feel like is um, <clears throat> what I would say simply profound. And, and, and it really impacted me deeply in the writing of this book, this thought that God doesn't just love us, he likes us. And I, I unpack that by talking about In Genesis, God goes looking for Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, is what the Bible says. There's something I really like about that, the cool of the day. Maybe it's because summer in Nashville is uh, anything but cool at any point in the day. But I love that idea of like a lot of theologians believe that perhaps that was like a daily activity, right? So that God would maybe daily go looking to take a walk with his favorite creation. And I was thinking about how that sort of paralleled with during the pandemic, my family and I would take lots of walks because sometimes they wouldn't let us go anywhere else. And I was thinking like, who do I take a walk with? I take a walk with somebody who I like, who I want to engage in conversation with, right? And we would have these amazing conversations on our walks. And specifically with my wife, I was like, I I would walk with her and different times we'd be talking. I'm like, I don't just love her. I like her. Like, I really enjoy spending time with her. You know what I mean? Like, and hopefully she feels the same about me. And sometimes I just feel like we can allow God to feel like he's just so far off in the distance. And we just, we forget that he's desiring that kind of friendship with us, that let's go for a walk in the cool of the day kind of friendship because I like you. 
I like the sound of your voice. I like the way I made you. You were my idea. And I think you know, a lot of times I'd do some soul search and say, well, God, why is that? Why is the fact that you love me hard for me to wrap my arms around? And, and I started to realize it's because a lot of times I don't know that I like myself. So why would, why would the creator of the universe like me? You know what I mean? And, and when you start to unpack that and start to really embrace the, the likeness, the like in the love, man, I, there's just something about that that felt like it brought me closer to him. And I was like, I want to go for a walk with God today. And mm. I don't want to turn down that invitation because it's a daily invitation that he's extending to me because he likes me that much. Mm. We're talking with Matthew West. The book is The God Who Stays. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day? We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. You're the God who stays. You're the God who stays. You're the one. Rejoining our conversation now with Matthew West. You know him as a songwriter and a person who, from the stage, draws you into the very presence of God and helps you rest and worship there. Um, we're talking with him today about a literary project. It's a it's a book, The God Who Stays. But he also has got other projects going on as well. Uh, the Matthew West podcast, as well as. Story House Collective. I, Matthew, you're a collaborative guy. That's one of the things that becomes really evident to me as I survey the ways in which God is, you know, pouring himself out through you in creative endeavors. I mean, even the book is a collaborative effort with Matt Litton. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that. Talk about collaboration in in sort of every sphere of your life and what you're trying to do in lifting up not only the way God is presenting himself through your story, but the stories of others. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I started my career collaborating in Nashville before I got a record deal and was singing my own songs or making my own records. I was writing songs behind the scenes for other artists. And a lot of people might not realize that's part of my story. But um, to this day, all these years later, I get to still do that. So like right now, in fact, this week I found out I have the number one song in the country on the radio, but I'm not the singer. And uh, I think that's so cool. I get so excited about that. So, you know, whether I'm writing songs from my records or helping another artist share their story with the world, um, that collaboration has been a big part of my creative process. And, and that's a big part of it for a lot of people in Nashville. Like, and it's a really neat, you know, community in Nashville, um, working working with uh, other songwriters, getting together, bouncing ideas off of each other. I sure love that part of it. When I sat down to write my book, you know, I've written, I think this is my sixth book. 
And song, uh, songwriting is very collaborative, but writing a book can be very uh, isolating. And so this time around, I thought, you know, what, what, what if I turned my book writing process and into a collaborative effort? And I called a friend of mine who's a gifted writer, and I said, I want to bounce ideas off of you the way that I would when I'm writing a song. And uh, we really hit a groove. And I think you can feel it when you read through the pages of this book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, the book is The God Who Stays. And if you're a person who has wondered about that, maybe you've felt a little desperate or lonely, um, particularly, you know, during COVID, and then you think to yourself, you know what, I ought to be over this by now. I ought to be through this. Um, hey, you're not alone if, you, um, if, you're, if you're feeling, you know, desperate and a little bit disconnected. This uh, book is a wonderful um, place for you to spend time with the Lord and um, and with Matthew West as well. Um, he's a great storyteller. If you've never read his work before, brings a lot of, uh, of his own um, humor uh, to the conversation. Um, talk with us about the final chapter, Being the People Who Stay. Yeah, you know, the final chapter is, is the now what of, the, of, okay, we've just discovered chapter by chapter all the different ways that God promises to stay faithful, like you said earlier, Emmanuel. And, you know, the, the more I wrote this book and the more I read through my Bible to write this book, I began to realize the whole message of the gospel is the message of God's pursuit of us. Emmanuel, God with us. And you think about that, like God has stopped at nothing to reach us and close that distance between us. And I love that, and, I, and I'm changed by it, and that's why I'm a follower of Christ today. But to be simply changed by it and let it not change the way that I then react and interact with the world is the greatest miss of all, right? So um, the final chapter is sending us out to, to celebrate the God who stays and let it change us to the point where we have a renewed desire to be the people who stay, that we're inviting people um, to, to know that there's a God who stays with them too. And the evidence that they will have is by the way that we love them, by the way that we show that God's people stay with each other too, that we don't, that we don't get fed up with people, that we, we let go of grudges, that we, um, that we will, they will know we are Christians by the way that we love and the way that we stay. Um, invite people to um, popwe.org. Yeah, um, we have a, a ministry. It's a weird name. My dad and I started it. He's my pop, and we have this ministry called Pop We, and it's uh, it's very spirited in the same the same heartbeat of collaboration. We just we want to pour into people's lives after the song is over and help them uh, encourage them to learn how to tell a more fulfilling story with their life. And so we have different curriculum that can encourage and equip them to learn how to share their story with the world. We have a prayer network. If you're going through something and you just want to know that there's people lifting you up, uh, we have a portal where you can actually share your story as well. So all of that at popwe.org. You can also sign up to receive a weekly email devotional that I write, and uh, we send that out to about 70,000 people a week, and that list grows every week. So a lot of exciting things happening at popwe.org. I know. And I just love that. I love that. I mean, you know, you're not you're not a flat person like you. You got this, you know, you're a real person. You got all kinds of uh, of things going on and sides um, to you. And I think that there is the temptation, Matthew, um, to imagine 
that people who we see up there on a stage, you know, that's who they are. And I think one of the things that every time you come forward with another creative endeavor and, or another ministry endeavor, you know, we are positively reminded that artists are lots of other things in addition to being um, artists on stage who we love and appreciate and, um, and right. who help us enter into worship that's authentic. So, um, you know, like sort of on behalf of everybody, I want to say thank you for being well, an authentic Christian and allowing God to express his creative power in so many ways through you. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And, you know, I hope, you know, what I've learned in my life, whether it's writing books or songs or whatever we're doing is, you know, God is not a one-dimensional creator. And so neither are the the things that he creates, right? And so hopefully anybody listening to this who feels maybe stuck in a lane or Maybe you've drawn some boundaries around how you think God's going to use you in your life. Uh, man, get your eraser out and, um, and be prepared for God to do something greater in your life than you might be able to even see right now. And so um, when I hold my brand new book, The God Who Stays, I smile because I think, okay, Lord, I didn't think I was capable of that, but you saw something more than I could see. And so... Gosh, all I, all I know these days is I want to be in the center of God's will for my life. And many times I don't hit the mark. Many times I get off track. But, uh, you know, I'm writing my journey, sharing my journey, and, and uh, trying to remember more and more the very words of my own song is that he is the God who stays. And he's with me always. And he's with you always, too. So thanks for letting me share my story. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being with us. That's Matthew West. You can find him and connect to everything we talked about today at MatthewWest.com. The book is The God Who Stays. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, so the last time we added a billion people to the population was 2010. But today, the United Nations uh, says uh, today's the day that we mark the birth of the 8 billionth person alive today. So today, the population reached 8 billion, making, uh, you know, it's a significant milestone, right? <clears throat> so the, that that means that a billion people were added to the population in just the last 12 years. That is um, unprecedented growth in terms of the time it took to get from uh, 6 billion to 7 billion and then 7 billion to 8 billion. So, you know, over the course of human history, it, it has taken longer than that to, you know, reach the next billionth person. And when you just think about the impacts that an individual has in terms of their consumption and the things that they need to grow and thrive and live, and then when you multiply that a million times and then a hundred million times and then a billion times. And so, you know, experts are saying, hey, this unprecedented growth is due to a gradual increase in the human lifespan, not only here in the United States, but around the world. Um, improvements in public health, improvements in nutrition, um, personal hygiene, medicine, all of those things, right? Um, the, the head of the UN has a piece today in the USA Today where 
um, these lines are included. As our human family grows larger, it is also growing more divided. Billions of people are struggling. Yes, there are billions of people, but there are also billions of people struggling. Hundreds of millions today facing hunger and famine. Record numbers of people on the move, seeking opportunities and relief from debt and hardship, war and um, and climate disasters. So we've talked about this a lot here. Um, we've talked about the unprecedented human migration that's taking place around the world. Uh, maybe what we haven't considered is just how many people there are living in places that are really now unhospitable for maybe not human life in general, but specifically the numbers of people seeking to live in those relatively unhospitable or inhospitable places. And so um, there's a challenge before us. Uh, We are pro-life people. We are people who affirm life uh, from conception to natural death. We're also people who recognize that um, some of us must live more simply in order that other people might simply live. That's going to be the challenge before us um, as we consider what's happening around uh, around the world in terms of, you know, this neighborhood of 8 billion people we now live with on the earth. Um, and so it's been on the rise. Um, it's projected to reach something like 8.5 billion by 2030, potentially 9.5 billion by 2050, 10.5 billion in the 2080s, and then level out. Um, and I and I think that the question in the conversation before us is, will it take that long um, before real population decline begins? And when we talk about real population decline, we're talking about not not the death of thousands. We're talking about the death of tens of millions. And what would that look like? Um, and what would that feel like? And what would it be like to be alive during such a time? As we face... Um, catastrophes uh, from natural disasters and as we face the very real prospect of famine in much of the world in the coming months and years as rivers are drying up. uh, I mean, you know, I just, there there is a time coming when the news won't be, oh, let's celebrate the birth of the eight billionth person. It will be, wow, we are in a, um, a serious time of death around the world. Um, we, we need to be the people of hope in the midst of that. And we also need to be great commission people right now. There, there is uh, an unprecedented opportunity in all of human history right now to proclaim the good news of the gospel and to do so through technologies that are literally in everyone's hand. So um, participate today in reaching out to someone else via the technology that God has placed within your reach. Like send somebody a text message today and just say, hey, Um, Eight billion people out there in the world. Um, You're one of them and I love you and God loves you too. Could we talk about that sometime? I know, might be crazy. Might be opening the door though to a real opportunity for a spiritual conversation somebody is genuinely longing to have. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.